When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to MAV Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome to Mav Sports Take, episode 75. It is Super Bowl edition, heading into the week. We are your weekly podcast for the business side of sports. Some unmuzzled sports talk coming to you at a Tuesday night, 8.03 Eastern time. We are live here on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok, I'm sure, because David loves his TikTok. If you are out there, send us a hi, send us a question, send us whatever. We love interactions during the show, and this is one of, going to be one of our favorite ones. Not only episode 75 here, three-fourths of the way to 100, it's also Super Bowl week, one of the biggest weeks of the year, the most watched event on television every single day. Year. I'm joined, of course, by David Turner, an 18-year scouting vet among, among the business of NFL, CFL, and three straight Arena League championships with the Arizona Rattlers. David, it's an exciting week, man. I, I know, I mean, again, every single year we can predict <laughs> one thing here, right? Everyone's going to watch the Super Bowl. How are you, my friends? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's going to watch the Super Bowl, and this is one of my favorite shows that we do each year because why? It's the biggest show on turf, and you know what? This year it has the Rams in it. So why not have a great show with that involved? And, again, I think it's going to be a great game. I think the way it worked itself out, both these teams line up, match up well. Today we're going to talk about roster construction on each team. We're going to talk about personnel and a little bit of their decision-making. And then at the end we'll do our predictions and maybe if we squeeze in a little uh, DFS lineups for the, for the fans that I got rolling, we can do that as well. But, you know, tonight's just going to be a great, fun night to celebrate the culmination of the 2021-2022 NFL season, last game of the year. It's just going to be super exciting to be part of it, and I'm just fired up for this show. Yep. So like David said, we're going to be going to each team, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. I keep wanting to say St. Louis because that is where my fandom started. We're going to be hitting heavy on both the offensive defense side of the ball. It's going to be a really interesting conversation because both these teams are built very differently, very different strategies we're talking about how the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams have got here. Before we do, would you be a parent? I have a high school athlete trying to make it to the next level. If you answered yes, then why not secure coaching for, from an expert? Here at Maverick Sports Consulting, we work with high school athletes of all sports to create a strategy for the recruiting process. 
With limited scholarships given each and every year, having a pointed recruitment plan helps our clients secure their opportunities to play collegiate sports. We focus on your transcripts, your film, leadership, and more to set your goals and create pathways to get to them. Whether you're looking to attend an SEC school or Slippery Rock University, we can support your efforts to get to those goals for 2022. Contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting today. All right, David, so I don't know we don't want to waste too much time. We want to get into the Super Bowl teams. Um, we've talked spoke before the show since my fandom – and I, I promise, I promise, right? I just want to put this out in the universe before we start. I am not – I don't not wear the Rams shirt today because I am not going to have any biased opinion, okay? The, the Rams' faults, the Rams' weaknesses as a team will be on full display, and I will be sure to highlight those. But we do want to start with the Cincinnati Bengals and impartial judgment of the Cincinnati Bengals, obviously. David, I think a good way to start is – like I kind of said before, you know, before the ad read, these teams were built much differently, right? The Rams are very trade heavy, free agency heavy. They don't value first round selections. Sometimes they don't even value day two selections. They try to hit on a lot of day threes, which they have Cooper Cup and some of these other guys, John Johnson, who was on the team a couple years ago, Jordan Folder, who of course got hurt, but he was a sixth round selection. Like they've hit on some nice day three selections, but for the most part, they have been a, hey, we're win-now mode. Let's trade for Jalen Ramsey. Let's trade for Matt Stafford. On the other side, conversely, Cincinnati Bengals are like, okay, we're going to take a quarterback first overall. We're going to draft Jamar Chase in the first round. We're going to build through development, right, the traditional way, through the draft. The cheap way, yeah. The cheap way. Well, cheap, well until Joe Burrow gets $60 million a year. But we'll talk about that in, in, you know, a couple years also. But let's talk about just the – the approach they've taken, because I'll be very honest and poignant about this. Zach Taylor is the Cincinnati Bengals head coach. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but applauding to him, he's in a Super Bowl, and his team, I think, is built right, in my opinion. So, Well, you think about it. They had the first overall pick, what, two years ago. Yep. Last year, I want to say they only had a handful of wins, right, even though they were competitive in each game until Burrow got hurt. Yeah. You know, and now they're in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's paying off the way they're building. Duke and the scouting staff over there, which is a very small staff, but they really love it. They love how they do their business. You know, it's never been – it's always been a frugal business over there. It's always been one in which as they watch their pennies and, you know, they watch what they do. But building through the draft obviously works. How they chose to build through this, build this team up through the draft it is paying off for them. They're in the big dance. They have one of the best hot young quarterbacks in the league. Right. I mean, lightning struck perfectly for him because you got the, you know, Ohio kid coming home with Joe Burrows coming from LSU back home. And now he's delivering on bringing him into a, a Super Bowl. So I think it's been, it's fantastic. I think you heard like a quote from Mixon earlier this week, maybe it was yesterday, was, you know, being here five years and this is like being in a movie, you know, because they've had their struggles, they've had their trials and tribulations. And now they're going to be in the big show, and they have a legitimate shot at taking the game. They really do. They, you know, people count them out against the Chiefs. People count them out all all season, and now they're in the dance, and they they got a shot. You know, they got to go blow for blow, but they got a shot. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's. I, I guess let's break this up, David. Let's talk about the skill position offensively for the Bengals. Let's always start with offense, right? And you always already talked about a few of the guys. So they spent a first overall selection two years ago on Joe Burrow. 
They draft Jamar Chase with the with the think the fifth overall selection this year, if I remember correctly, right? Or was it fourth, fourth or fifth? So they draft top, top five receiver this past year with Jamar Chase from LSU. They drafted T. Higgins two years ago in the second round out of Clemson, who's been a big player for them. Tyler Boyd's been on the team for a few years. He was drafted. C.J. Uzama was, I believe, was on a different team. So I think he was a free agent acquisition. And then they drafted Joe Mixon a few years ago. So again, building this this um, this skill position and the quarterback position through the draft. And, I mean, Cincinnati's got to be super excited with the quartet that they have, right? Like, they have so much talent, and they have really built this up. And, I mean, I would argue that it might be the most dynamic skill position in the NFL. And I don't want to be – I don't want to undersell the importance of Joe Burrow because he's obviously had a great second year, but it doesn't hurt when you have all those guys around him, right? Like, it doesn't hurt at all. Oh, absolutely not. And if you look at, you know, again, like you're saying – it's taken them a few years to build this up. So you have to be – you're doing roster construction through the draft and with young players. You have to wait for them to develop and move forward. You're not just going to get instant coffee, as our friend from the show, James Kirkland, would say, right? Um, that's kind of where the Rams like to go. They like to, you know, get that curate going and percolate quick and get out of the door. But, you know, like you said, Boyd – Boyd and Higgins have been there for a little while. I mean, what I really like about Tyler Boyd, being honest, is this is a guy who has the C on his chest. He's not the number one receiver. He's not even the number two receiver. He's the number three receiver, but he's got the captain C on his chest. And that shows you the kind of respect he's earned in that locker room and the people that are there to, you know, believe in him and, and follow his lead, even though he's not the number one guy, right? They have three legitimate wide receivers that can make a difference in this game. And Joe Burrow seems to find them all. He doesn't just focus, laser focus on Chase, though Chase does get the majority of the targets, but often it's because Chase is wide open with his route running skills and ability to accelerate and everything else. But he'll throw balls up to go go get him with Higgins, who's tall and lean and long. And Boyd, you know, catches a lot of third down over the, over the middle uh, catches. And don't sleep on the tight end. I know you got to pronounce the name because I'll screw it up. He's but – yeah. yeah, Uzama was a guy who, again, this year, I don't think any of us really knew his name to start the year. By the end of the year, Uzama was making – it was a huge loss for him last game when Uzama wasn't playing. You could tell that offense did not run as efficiently without Uzama in there. Joe Burrow was looking for Uzama. So, you know, but one, you know, one of the better things that Joe Mixon does do out of the backfield is catch the football. Joe Mixon in the, is in the, you know, passing game and scheme, 100%. Even last game, was it par, uh, per, what's the backup running back? Per, Perman? P-E-R-I-N. Oh, P. Ryan. P. Ryan. Smash P. P. Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. Now, P. Ryan caught the touchdown on the screen, which, again, Mixon could have caught and ran it in, right? But, no, it was P. Ryan. So, you know, they they all have trust in all their weapons, they have depth in their in their receivers. They have depth in their uh, running back position. So you know it's a it's an offense that's very loaded and it's built through the draft, like you said. Most of these guys have all been there. I think Uzama, like you indicated, was the only one that wasn't drafted there. So you know, ninety percent of this offense was built through the draft for this team. Yep. Yeah, and I think I think just to kind of go off your your thought there for a second, David, is you, you highlighted Mixon, obviously. He's been one of the more underrated players, not only on this offense, but, I mean, in the NFL. He's the leading rusher in the playoffs right now, and he's been a, a 
beacon of just consistency, in my opinion, right? Like he ran for over 1,100 yards. I think he may have had 1,200. And he's just been consistent. Like he's not a super – I mean, he definitely is a very talented player, so don't get me wrong. Like he has some flash to him. But I just feel like he kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because like it's just like every single year it's like 1,100 yards, 1,200 yards. And then he does nice things in the passing game, which if you saw him at Oklahoma, like was a fantastic receiver out of the backfield. So I think that honestly – Joe Mixon is going to be a big key part of this game. If they're if they're if they have an ability to win early on early downs and to and to keep it on short yardage opportunities and get some play action working and not have to, you know, play behind the sticks a ton, I feel like Joe Mixon may dictate a little bit of how who wins this football game because I think that his efficiency is going to be huge for this team. Well, I'm with you. I think Mixon is really an underappreciated uh, uh, factor mm-hmm. in the game. And, you know, for me, when I watch Mixon run, I've loved him since he came out of college. Like you said, I mean, he was he was awesome at Oklahoma, man. Awesome. Just a difference maker in college level. And while he's been there again, the team hasn't been really great. So a lot of times defenses could load up against that box and stop him. And when Giovanni Bernard, when Gio was there, they could just load up and stop him because they weren't really scared of the passing game. Then, Then last year, Joe Burrow comes in. And they, he's got 400-yard games, 450-yard games, 375s. And they're like, wait a minute, we can't just load up. This kid's able to pick us apart. And then they add the nitrous to it this year with, with Chase coming in. And that offense has exploded. Now, I, I'll be the first one to say, when they picked Chase, I was critical. I said they should have went for an offensive lineman. I still, stand, yep. I still stand by that because the most sacked quarterback in the league pretty much is Burrow. And he was coming off an injury right now. And even, I mean, they won the playoff game against, what was it, the the Chiefs, and he was sacked nine times. I think I think it was the one before the Chiefs, right? Who was that? Was it, was it the Chiefs that it was nine times? Because I remember the nine sacks. I can't remember. I thought it was the Titans. Am I wrong there? It might have been the Titans. might have been the Titans. I, I just know he was the it first. Was. It was because Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry were playing off their, out of their minds against Tennessee. Uh, okay, Tennessee so it was Tennessee. And it, it was the first time a quarterback's ever been sacked nine times and won a yep. playoff game. Yep. So, again, it's just something that you have to address the offensive line eventually. You have to get better players up there to really excel. But we're not going to take away from them. They did a great job. The way they've constructed their roster has gotten them there. It's just the, if you want to pick apart one area that they definitely need to address going forward on this offense, it will be this offensive line in order to – culminate and really dominate the AFC because the AFC has got a lot of young guns in there and a lot of good offenses and different things. So if they want to stick in there and and stick in the heavyweight fight, eventually they're going to have to find their Anthony Munoz and they're going to have to find their, their interior guys to protect this quarterback and make sure he can keep delivering the ball to these talented wide receivers and running backs. Yeah, I, I think that that's a great conversation because honestly, like you know, and I'm st- and I agree with you, and I am still on the same wavelength that like I still would have drafted Penny Soul. I'm sorry, I just would have. Jamar Chase is great, but they still, even if they didn't have Jamar Chase, they still have T Higgins, they still have Tyler Boyd, they still have Joe Mixon, they still have a lot of weapons, right? They do not have a good offensive line. It's bad. Like let's just call it what it is, and I think that that's the big hindrance in this game because when you're playing the Tennessee Titans, to give up nine sacks. 
Luckily, Tennessee just didn't have the offensive structure to, to put you away, right? They didn't have the, any, any killer instinct offensively. You're going to play a different Rams team here, right, that has Matt Stafford that threw 41 touchdowns, that has Cooper Cup who led the league in, in receiving. So I don't think that you can have a – you can't have a performance again like the Titans where you let up nine sacks, and I think you can't expect to win that game again because it's like how big of a fluke is that in general just to win that type of football game? So I think the offensive line, like Mixon, is going to be a big key because you're facing off against guys that we're going to talk about in a couple minutes, like the Aaron Donald, who is the best football player in the world, in my opinion, right? Von Miller, who is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I thought we were talking about Cincinnati. Yes. Well, no, I'm just saying <laughs> – I'm setting the table of how much of an important game this is for the Cincinnati offensive line. This has to be, in my opinion, their best showing in the playoffs. Because if they fall behind against this Rams team that I think can continue to score, then you're working against guys like Aaron Donald and Von Miller, and that does not dictate success, in my opinion. This offensive line, I think, is going to be a huge talking point in this game. I think it is in the quick passing game. The receivers being able to catch the ball and run with it and break tackles. And, and move the ball and move the chains that way because that's something that's a staple in this game in this in this team's offense. Um, and if they can't get that quick hitting passing game to work, if yep. the Rams roll up coverage and they're able to man defense them, that will be a big a big problem because they do need to get the ball out of Burroughs' hands quickly on about thirty five percent of the plays for sure in order to then work the deep game. You know, and that that's going to be the test in my opinion for this offense versus Rams defense. Can the receivers catch and run and break tackles and make people miss? And when they are, when the Rams are rolled up, can they beat them one on one deep and outrun these these defensive backs? You know, I know they got Ramsey on the other side, which we'll talk about. But the rest of the guys, can the rest of the guys match up man for man on these on these triplets on these triplets and make a difference? Yep, yep, uh, I agree completely. It's going to be. And we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how the Rams are going to kind of counteract it. I think that, again, limiting that that short passing game is going to be a point, point of emphasis. So let's move on now, David. We're just going to go Cincinnati, Cincinnati, back-to-back. Let's go to the defense, right? Very underrated unit, right? Like, it's – I mean, you got guys like Jesse Bates in the secondary, right, who's a really damn good football player. You got Trey Hendrickson, who was an amazing – free agent acquisition from the New Orleans Saints and leads this team in sacks. So there's there's dudes there, right? And a couple of young linebackers, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt. There's some guys defensively, but in my opinion, the job that this team has done defensively, like I don't think that when you kind of put all those cards together on a piece of paper that you say this team is good enough to, you know, make a, a, a Super Bowl run type of defense, but they've played outstanding and played a little bit over their head in my estimation. You got Eli Apple, and you're in the Super Bowl. Let's be honest here. That in itself that's your is boy, a, man. Former that giant in itself, great. That's in itself is a miracle. Okay, like if 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 OBJ isn't using him as a stepchild, I just don't know what because they practice against each other. They know each other. I mean, OBJ needs to be just slapping him around. So, but besides that, and you guys can hear the detest I have for that individual. Um, in my voice, I think honestly, I do. I think the defensive coordinator, think about last week against the Chiefs or two weeks ago against the Chiefs, they gave up three straight touchdowns. They were down 21 points, they were down 21 to like seven or whatever it was, 21 to three. And then this defense came together yeah. and they only gave up three more points in three more quarters. Mm-hmm. 
Like, they really bound together, and they made it work. And when they got tight and they were able to pin their ears back, Reader up front got push. Um, Hendrickson and Hubbard got push, and they got sacks. They didn't just get pushed. They finished. Um, you know, P.J. Hill did some good things there, and I think Tyler Sheldon, is that his name? He yeah. even did some good stuff. So you, you're getting reps from your whole rotation. People are getting home. Obviously, Hendrickson's, you know, the bell of the ball. He's the piece of resistance. But Reader and Hill, what they've been doing in the running game, up front and in the middle, they've really come to play. And I've been really impressed with Reader the most. I mean, that guy has been pressing offensive linemen off, ripping and shedding and making tackles. He has really dominated the middle of the, the offensive line on both on the on both sides of the ball. He's been getting penetration. This ain't a man who's known for penetration, but he's been getting penetration and changing the line of scrimmage. So again, I think DJ Reader has to bring his A game with BJ Hill. If they can work the inside and get to Stafford and get around his feet, that will really help with the throws, uh, throw miscalculations and turn some very good ball hawking players in the secondary, like you said, with Bates, Bell, and Awazni. Um, those guys and Hilton have been making good plays on the ball. They have good interception production. These are guys that really can come up and be a difference makers in this game. I mean, I think a turnover or two from the Rams is going to be the difference on if the, if the Bengals wind up winning this game. I'm about to insult your pronunciations. Are you ready for this? Please do. Chibody Awuzie at quarterback, David. I don't even know. You, a Wazni or something? I a Wazni. I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, let's start there. Let's start the, the secondary. Let's work our way up because I think that the defensive line is the – is the best unit defensively. And I think it's one of the more underrated de uh, defensive lines, but I want to start with the secondary because you're getting guys that are playing much better than their careers would dictate, right? Like you talked mm -hmm. about Eli Apple, Eli Apple. I mean, he's still not very good, but he's still, he's playing okay football for them, right? Like he's the weak no. link of the secondary, he's but it's still, yeah, I know he's not a good player, but he's playing better than he traditionally plays this year, right? You mentioned Chibody Awuzie, who was a Dallas Cowboys castoff, was not good in Dallas. He's playing pretty good football for them. He's right? playing really good football this year. I am, I've been impressed with him. Yep. And then you got Mike Hilton at, at Nickel, who came over from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's been playing really good football. I imagine him versus Cooper Cup's going to be a matchup that they're going to highlight a bunch. And then the safeties, one of the two, I mean, Let's start with Von Bell, who's a strong safety, who's a very underrated football player. Nothing flashy, just kind of gets the job done. And then my opinion, if you're asking me who's the best free safety, just true deep coverage, working from depth safety in the NFL, I might say Jesse Bates right now, man. He is a fantastic football player. So we're going to see a cool matchup here, right? We're going to see, you mentioned Odell Beckham against Eli Apple. You're going to see Cooper Cup working against Mike Hilton a ton. You're going to see Van Jefferson. You're going to see some of these talented Rams receivers. You're going to see Tyler Higby at tight end. Hopefully if he comes back, if he's back in time for the injury, it's going to be an interesting matchup. And I think that, you know, the, the Cincinnati Bengals secondary, especially if the, if they're not able to create pressure, I, I need to see how Eli Apple matches up, right? Like, I, I need to see because Mike Hilton's known more as a nickel, as kind of a tackler. Like, he, he's a really good alley player, that type of dude. Man, the man coverage against Cooper Cup, you would you would think that he would have an advantage. But the Cincinnati Bengals secondary, just in general, just to touch on it a little bit, has been playing good football, especially in the in the playoffs. Like, I, I think they really have been kind of playing higher than I would say that maybe their talent level would kind of 
you know, would convince you that they can play if that makes if sense. If my math is done right, they have like nine, seven or nine interceptions here in the on this season. But do you know who leads the team in interceptions? I would say that Logan Wilson, the linebacker, leads them in interceptions. Logan Wilson leads them in interception with four. Four interceptions, and he's got a combination of 100 tackles. Yep. I mean, this is a guy, like you said earlier, very talented football player. Um, he comes He comes to play. He brings a high motor, high intensity. You know, he's he's really a player that's impressive, being able to cover out of the backfield as well as make those tackles and go for it, you know. Yep. No, and I'm definitely getting to linebackers because Jermaine Pratt's a guy that's playing good football. Logan Wilson, like you said, is kind of a coverage dude, right, from Wyoming. He moves really well in space. So he's got those four interceptions, really active in the passing game. Do you know who the uh, linebacker coach is for the Cincinnati Bengals without go- Googling it, David? There's a go- I right could there. not say I do without Googling it, no. Former Temple coach Al Golden is the uh, oh, linebacker coach. Yeah, man. Really? Mr. Golden, yep. huh? Yep. And we know it's. What's really interesting, and yep. when I was thinking about coaching and hiring, and I'm going to take two seconds here, not a lot, but yep. two seconds on this. This defensive coordinator, like you said, have really been playing out of their, you know, out of their heads a little bit yep. over their talent level, and he didn't get mentioned for anything, not one. But the Philadelphia Eagles defensive uh, coordinator yeah. got mentioned, and I was kind of like, hmm, okay. All right, because, you know, up front, I mean, again, you got Hendrickson that has 14 sacks. Hubbard's got 17, seven and a half. Uh, Larry. Ogunjobi. Thank you. Has seven. I think he's injured, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, uh, BJ Hill has five, and then Reader has two. And then there's guys along the line that has, you know, different ones that are, are scrap players here. But, again, you got that, and then you got, like you said, a linebacker, Wilson, with four interceptions, 100 tackles. You got uh, Von Bell, right, with 97 tackles. Um, You got Pratt with 91 tackles. You got, you know, Jesse Bates with 88. I mean, you have a front that's built really well and playing extremely well with these kind of numbers. Um, You know, so – and overall, like, hits-wise, the top four guys on their sack roster has hit the quarterback an additional 40 – no, I'm sorry, 62 times. So not only are they getting there and getting home with their sacks, but they're also getting quarterback hits. Yeah. So very impressive. Yeah. And I, I think if I remember correctly, the New Orleans Saints got Trey Hendrickson for a little bit of a deal now. I think it was like 14 or 15 million a year. But when you're getting 14 sacks a season, like that's, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, backing up that paycheck, right, that he got from the New Orleans Saints. Well, yeah, he's got 14 sacks on the year and he's got 27 quarterback hits. Yep. And then tackles for loss is uh, another TFLs. I don't see him. I'm sorry. It's not on my stat sheet. But I know I know he's penetrating a lot and getting in there. And he's got 21 solo tackles with 34 other com- combination tackles. So, Yep. No, and he's had a really nice season. Oh, sorry, he 12. Met- there it is. 12 tackles for a loss. 12 so. tackles for a loss. Okay. Yeah, so he's been in the backfield consistently. Sam Hubbard, I think, is a really uh, underrated football player because he only has seven and a half sacks. He's not a big sack guy, though, right? Like, he sets the edge. He's a really good player in the run game. He gets after it a little bit. But you mentioned already, Ogunjobi, who unfortunately is injured. B.J. Hill is a solid football player that came over from the Giants. But, man, honestly, he's only got two sacks, so people aren't going to talk about him a ton. DJ Reader controls that run game, man. He makes everything work for those linebackers. We mentioned Pratt, 
Wilson. These are all fast dudes, right? And Reader's the one that's keeping them clean in the middle. So I honestly would say, like, if you ask me who the best player on the defensive line is, a lot of people would say Trey Hendrickson, and I would, I'd be fine with you saying it. But the most important player, in my opinion, is DJ Reader for what he does in the run game. Like, he just – he does a phenomenal job. So. Right, and, you know, again, Reader has six tackles for a loss. And – I'm sorry, Bill – B.J. Hill has six tackles for a loss. Reader has three tackles for a loss, but he ha- also has 22 solo tackles for being like a nose. Right. Like that's that's good. A lot of people are good so impre- oh, for that nose position, 22 solo tackles with 21 assists and three tackles for a loss, seven quarterback hits, and two quarterback sacks. That's pretty good for a man you guys have never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a good, D.J. Reader's a good player, man. He was a – he was a uh, toolsy player when he came out of Clemson. I remember he was just a big dancing bear, and he's really developed now for the Cincinnati Bengals. I believe he was drafted by the Houston Texans, if I remember that correctly, and he's turned into a good football player. So, all right, David, so that's the defense for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's the offense. Let's go over now to the L.A. Rams. Do you want to start defense or offense for the Rams and just break them down a little bit? Let's go, let's start with your defensive boys over there. All right, we're going to start with the defense. Before that, have you secured any sponsorships with your name, image, and likeness yet? No. Well, what's keeping you from earning money or or getting products today? Probably access the companies. Maverick Sports Consulting can connect those dots for you. We believe in the power of athletes making a living off of their off of their own likeness while going to college. It is simply if it is simply that you don't have access to companies, don't let that keep you from being successful. Contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting so we can help you navigate your path to gaining corporate sponsorships for your collegiate career. An athlete's earning potential is limited. Why wait until tomorrow to start earning today? It doesn't matter what sport you play. We help all our clients achieve their goals. Just contact us, Maverick Sports Consulting. TikTok, the clock is ticking. All right, so we're starting defense, David. I think, I mean, is there a better place to start than the defensive line with the best player in the world? I mean, Aaron Donald is one of the best defensive tackles, in my opinion, in NFL history. He's definitely the best defensive tackle of this era now, right? Like in the last 10 years or so, right? Um, so... You make the acquisition to bring in Von Miller about halfway through the season, right around the same time as Odell Beckham, which we'll talk about. And Von doesn't get off to the greatest start. He's sackless for the first few games. There's not a ton of pressures. But I think he's on like a seven-game-in-a-row sack streak now. He has just tur- lit the world on fire. Is it five? Okay, I'm sorry. He has lit the world on fire in the playoffs. He's been a just completely different player, and he's been a game record. So – the Rams now facing a bad Cincinnati offensive line. We'll talk a little bit about what the Rams need to do defensively in the secondary to really let the defensive line take over. But I would say, you know, Rams definitely have a clear advantage up front when we're talking about their defensive line versus the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like you were saying, you know, Aaron Donald, everybody knows the name. And everybody knows Von Miller's name. But yeah. the one I think that's going to have the most impact in this game is Leonard Floyd. Because Leonard Floyd's wingspan and height and ability to bat balls down and and disrupt that quick passing game with his length is going to be something that I'm going to watch for in this game. Because, again, he has three pass defenses this year. He's got a forced fumble. He's got an interception for 11 yards. And, you know, he's got eight. In addition, he's got 18 quarterback hits, nine and a half sacks. I think so much attention – is it going to be on Donald that and Miller's going to get doubled 
that you're going to see Floyd step up here. I mean, he's really got that length that can disrupt the passing game. And if they put him to field side often and let Vaughn come off the come off the short side and come off the um, boundary end, it could get silly because his length will disrupt a lot of that quick passing game that we said that Cincinnati needs to do. It's about 35% of their offense. So I think Leonard Floyd plays a really big piece in what's going to be happening up front because, again, if he disrupts that quick passing game, that buys Donald and Miller more time because they're going to have to take shots downfield. So, you know, again, I think when I when I started game planning this, this defense and I started looking at them, I said Leonard Floyd is going to be a major role player in this Super Bowl based on the offense they're going up against. You know, I think the most underrated player on that first level, David, because you mentioned Leonard Floyd, who's been the beneficiary of some added attention to a Von Miller, to an Aaron Donald, who are two future Hall of Famers. Everybody knows that the Rams might have Sebastian Joseph Day back, who was playing good football at nose before he got hurt. But the big, the most underrated player of this on this front line for the Rams has been Greg Gaines, who has really just played outstanding football at nose down the stretch of the season. And for a, for a team that wants to go quarterback hunting, he does a lot of the dirty work that we talked about with great games, right? Like he's a guy that takes up double teams. He does all the type of thing. He's not a huge player either, but he came out of the university of Washington. He's just been kind of a very steady football player, but this year down the stretch due to the injury to Sebastian Joseph day, he really took his game to another level. And I think he had a, Okay, sack production, a few, a couple sacks, you know. He got four and a half, four and a half sacks this year, and he, yeah, he playing he's those. started thirteen wow. games, and he and he's four, and he's, he's played in seven or seventeen. So, and he had another thirteen quarterback hits. So, yeah, he's having a decent season up front for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I just think he's very underrated, and I think that it's very important for this defensive line because if there, there's a weakness of this Rams team, second level's not great, man. Like linebacker, they they're just kind of a. They're very a complimentary army of, you know, misfit toys type, right? They have Troy, <laughs> Reader, Troy Reader, who's, you know, a solid run stopper. And they got guys like Traven Howard, who has his role in the passing game. And Ernest Jones has been pretty solid as a rookie, but has been kind of banged up a little bit. Like, they don't have a stud on the second level. They just kind of have a bunch of mismatched toys on there. Well, and, you know, and the other part is, like, when you look at their um, tackle production, right? Yep. Like, that kind of – starts playing into where the tackles are coming from. And, you know, guys like um, Taylor, Rap Rap has, like, second on the team with – and he's a, he's a secondary guy. And then you have, uh, you know, Ramsey is, like, fifth. And you got some of the secondary guys here in the top ten that are – and they're ranking, like, Rapper has, like, 94 tackles, right? So that's pretty significant. And then uh, was it Fuller, um, Jordan Fuller? Who is injured? Yep, but he's the other starting safety. Yep, he's uh, he's injured, but he had 113 tackles this year. So the yep. two the two safeties really were coming in and playing, you know, solid football form and cleaning up. It wasn't linebackers like when we were talking about Kansas City. Their linebackers were leading the way in a lot of the tackles. Right here, we're seeing safeties and secondary. So that being said. You, you know, you really would hope that your leading tacklers were a couple linebackers and a lineman before yeah. you start seeing safeties and people peek up in into the totals. So here in the top five, I think we have uh, three of the, the DBs are tacklers with Ramsey, Fuller, and uh, and um, Rapp, uh, Taylor Rapp. So that all being said, you know, that's a concern, like you said, because if Joe Mixon gets past the, the D-line and gets to linebackers, 
he's probably going to be starting to run over some safeties. And if he goes beast mode mentality where he's just going to run at those safeties in the first quarter and just punish them by the end of the game, those body shots are going to, you know, pay dividends because second, second, the third and fourth quarter, second half of the game, you know, he's going to pop one. I mean, he, he's been doing that in each game. So, mm-hmm. and it, and a slight disclaimer, obviously the Rams rush defense has been, been nice in the playoffs and their linebackers have been playing better. And, and a small, I think note is that you mentioned Taylor Rapp, obviously with 94 total tackles, he plays as basically a second level defender, right? Like they kind of move him down and they play like three safety looks. So he's more of a linebacker than safety technically, but it's definitely, you know, that does worry me, those mismatches. And I, I, I would even take it a step further. The Joe Mixon and even CJ Uzama getting them in the passing game matched up against guys like Troy Reader. Like, that's where it really makes me a little bit nervous. But that's definitely the weakness of the Rams defense. Um, the strength, you would argue, is obviously Jordan Fuller's out. But Nick Scott's been playing really good football in Jordan Fuller's Incredible football. Oh, my God. He has stepped up and played some incredible football. And then – you know, the man, the myth, the never-ending, uh, you know, what's his name? What's the guy who they pulled off the street and said, come play for us? Oh, Eric Weddle, dude. Yeah, really Weddle. Good player, though. Really good player. Yeah, Weddle, who's, you know, like 92 years old and was playing pickup <laughs> basketball to stay in shape. He's coming. He's, he's played okay football, though. He's, he's played, played okay football. No, I, yeah. I've been impressed with the football he has played. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not hating on him at all. It's just been amazing that – the guy comes in and he's, he's still in good enough shape to get through a game, and then a couple games later he played the whole one. Like he played the th- whole I game. He, I think he led them in tackles last game with like nine or something. <laughs> like it wasn't bad, man. It was solid. So he was I mean, flying around everywhere. Yeah, and, and and it's been awesome to see that even with Jordan Fuller was a really good football player for him. So seeing the absence of him and seeing guys like Nick Scott and Eric Weddle fill in, Taylor Rapp's been kind of banged up with a concussion. He should be back for this game, so that would be a big layer for it. Um, and then obviously the cornerbacks is probably the biggest strength outside of Aaron Donald in that front a little bit, right? Obviously you have Jalen Ramsey, who's arguably the best corner in the NFL. Darius Williams is a good corner on the other side. He's been like a little up and down, but for the most part, he's been a steady, good, good corner. And then Jalen Ramsey has been aside from that, you know, one long touchdown to Mike Evans in the in Tampa Bay game. He's been worth every penny during this season. He's been playing fantastic football Ramsey in the secondary. Yeah. Ramsey fell asleep on that one. He just didn't, yeah. he just, I don't know what the heck he was looking at. He just let Mike just run right by him. So that was just amazing. But, you know, that all being said, I think their secondary, like I said earlier, the you made a great point with uh, the tight end, if he's back for Cincinnati, yep. being a mismatch with Reader and them. But can these other corners, I think this is going to be the toughest three receivers they've seen in a while yep. because – now, when they matched up early in the year or earlier in the year against Arizona, when Arizona had their three, when Hopkins, Green, and Kirk were all healthy, you saw that be a little bit of a track meet for them, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you got a, one, three of the top best ones you got. And, and again, if the tight ends there, you got four. And when San Francisco came down, I mean, Kittle had good games, both games against these guys this year, and that tight end just opened up. And I watched Arizona's defense or offense um, with Ertz and and them have good offense uh, against them and good production against the Rams. So it's a kind of offense. This is why I think they're in the game, right? Because it's the kind of offense that I've watched the West Coast give them a little bit of trouble. So 
I mean, it's built similar to an, an NFC West offense and an NFC West type of feel. And that's what's been giving the Rams a little bit of problem this year. So that being said, I, you know, I think, you know, if you put Ramsey on chase and he follows chase, now you're, you, you know, Higgins at six, four and Boyd at six, three are going to have to make plays against these other guys. And, you know, honestly, the Rams defense, they have a, they have good interceptors. They got good ball skill. Ramsey has four interceptions. Uh, Rap has four interceptions. Uh, Ramsey has 16 pass defenses. Rap has six. Um, and then you go down to Nick Scott, who has four pass defenses and then two interceptions. So again, you're looking at a secondary that is ball ability uh, positive, right? They're ball ability positive, and they have to, they're going to have to make some plays on these these they make it tough throwing lanes for Joe Burrow because he's already shown he can fit the ball into pretty much any window. Yeah, and we talked about the big negator, right, is the fact that we think Cincinnati is probably going to go to a heavy, you know, short passing game, right? Get the ball out of his hands. Don't let the offensive line come into, you know, too much of a spotlight, right? Well, now the Rams on the conversely here, David, in my opinion, because Raheem Morris loves to run his two high looks, right, which I'm good with, you know, with with the type of speed that they have with Chase, right? Like, let's – Keep everybody in front of us. We're cool. <laughs> but my one criticism. Let's not get too crazy with the blitzes, Raheem. <laughs> well, and, and he doesn't. Like, Raheem Morris is very, like, let's do what we do best and let's not, you know, get a little antsy, right? So, like, I'm good with that. Let's stick in the too high shell. I'm good. My one criticism, though, and Raheem Morris has done a really good job, especially in the playoffs, that the defense has been playing really well for the most part. But my one criticism is sometimes they're playing a little passive up front, right? They don't play a ton of press. They kind of leave their corners off, and they just kind of let teams nickel and dime them a little bit. And, let them, you know, they want them to play – they want them to have to do a lot of plays to score, and hopefully they make make a mistake, right? Because you mentioned the, the Rams secondary – um, does have a good propensity for forcing turnovers. So you're trying to make teams force into mistakes. I would rather them see kind of flip the switch here, two high looks, but hey, man, let's get in their face. Let's press this team. Let's force them to have to get vertical against our two high shell and let's let our defensive line get home. I feel like that's th- that's the recipe for victory, in my opinion, if the Rams come out on and top. here And here's where I struggle with that because if they go, if, if the Bengals go 11 personnel and run the ball, when they're impressed too high, yeah. you know, then, then, cause that's that. If you got three, three into the, the pattern, right. Three into the formation. And then you, and then you're coming up pressing them plus too high. Now you got five cup, you got five there and you, you can run the ball against that. Well, no, you can't, you can, but it's, it's, it's honestly just one of those points where it's like, pick your poison, right? Like you can't defend everything. There's going to be a weakness somewhere defensively, but I feel like you just need to pick your poison with that. I would rather, I would rather keep the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands, to be honest with you. I would just rather take my, take my opportunities there because like I said, the Rams rush defense has done a good job and the Rams play majority sub package. So it's not like they're just out there playing base defense, just stopping teams running the football. Like they're, they're not keeping a ton of guys in the box. They've just been able to just do a nice job, you know, kind of fulfilling their assignments. So, yeah. Um, so that's the secondary we talked about. We talked about the linebackers, talked about. So let's go over to the offense now, right? Let's talk about the Rams offense. Let's talk about my boy, your boy my guy, Stafford, your my boy. one and only hot throb, Matthew the Man Stafford. 
Are you a Stafford guy, man? Are you? Dude, I'm a huge Stafford guy. He coming out, people try to shit on him, and I was like, get off me, get off me, shaking the haters. I loved him. I was like, this is a guy who can deliver and and do it all. And then he was stuck up in Detroit, and in Detroit he was just getting, you know, he had Megatron, he got good numbers, but again, it's Detroit. They kept turning over coaches and staffs, and he just never had a shot to really go win a game, right? Now we put him on a team that really is built to win and just needed the the man himself to come in and Jim McMahon, McMahon this team to a Super Bowl, propel him there. And he almost gave it away last week when he threw that one ball up. And he and the, and the, luckily the Niners safety dropped it right. You know, I say luckily because it's luckily for the Rams, for us Niner fans and diehard Niner fans. That was where our heart just dropped into our, you know, and right out our asshole. So um, it's just like, how can you drop that ball? But being so, I, I I said it to my son before the game. If the Niners lose this game. I'm going to be excited for Stafford because I've always rooted for this man. I don't know if you know his wife's story, his story. I mean, there's just a lovely family. They're lovely people inside and out. And to to see him get his shot at a ring, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so I'm such a Stafford guy this week. I am just like I got I, I wish I bought my Stanford jersey long ago because I would have it on tonight. I'm such a staff I'm so excited for Stafford. I love it, man. I love it. Hey, I'm excited for him too because I think that there's a lot of false narrative out there about him, you know. And it's it's like one of those things. It's like, oh, he's the problem in Detroit. Well, now he's 12 and five in the regular season and three and zero in the playoffs, about to play in a Super Bowl. So, who is the problem, right? So, um, obviously, the passing game. I guess we'll just start there with the skill position team players for the Rams. You have. A committee approach in the running back. I mean, I mean, first and foremost, what a great story that Cam Akers was able to come back in six months from a torn Achilles. That doesn't make any sense, and he's the lead ball carrier in the in the playoffs. I know it's not like super efficient most, you know, in the playoffs. It's been a little bit of a struggle, but it's like, dude, how the hell did you do that? But you got him. You got Sony Michelle, who's just kind of a beacon of of consistency at the other running back spot, and then you have. The wide receivers, Odell Beckham Jr., give him credit, man. He stepped up in those important parts of the season so far. Van Jefferson's uh, – he was dealing with an injury last year, last week. I don't know if he's going to be back this week, but um, Tyler Higby's another guy that's going to be dealing with the injuries. But but Kendall Blanton at tight end had a big game for the Rams last week, five catches for 57 yards, filling in as the only tight end on the roster, only healthy one after Higby went down. And then, of course – Cooper Cup, nearly 2,000 yards receiving this year. He had one of the historic receiving seasons in the NFL history. So passing game looks really nice. And Stafford has been, you know, relatively turnover free, only one interception in three playoff games. So he's been, you know, doing a nice job keeping control of the football and not putting it in harm's way. And, David, you know, it's uh, it's the Cooper Cup show offensively, man. I mean, honestly. Well, Okay, before I get to Cooper Cup, I got to give my man, Robert Woods, some love. Because Robert Woods, before he tore his ACL, was really delivering on an incredible season. I mean, he's not Cooper Cup, but he was a great second. It was like having, you know, Michael Irvin and Alvin Harper, Jerry Rice and John Taylor, right? You had Corey Holt, Holt, Isaac Bruce. Come on, man. Keep it in. There you go. There's plenty of the combos, right? But some of the best offenses that this league's ever seen, there's great combo receivers. There's two of them, right? Here we had Cup and Woods, and they were all season doing really well. 
And the games that they didn't work Woods in, they struggled in. And then when they got Woods going, those games, Cup wound up just becoming free for like the next three because people were worried about Woods. It was just great. And I just want to give him some props because I love him. He's a high-character guy. I'm sad he's not playing the Super Bowl because, for me, I would have loved to have seen him play in this game. He deserves a shot too, okay? That all being said, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. has seemed to really fit in well We'll see how the offseason goes. We'll see how, you know, L.A. treats him and if it's a place where he really wants to be and stay and really nurture himself. It sounds like it does. He does want to be there. Um, But, again, we'll see how that works. And he's fit in really great. I mean, he's got 69 targets since he's been there. He's only played in, what, seven games or eight games. And the first one really shouldn't count. He was only there three days before he got in, right? And then I think he missed a game because of COVID. So, um, yeah, he played in seven games and he's got – 60 or I'm sorry 48 targets 27 catches 304 yards five touchdowns and an average of 11.3 yards per catch I mean that's pretty sick for a guy who stepped into your offense more than halfway through the season um and then Von Jefferson or Van Jefferson to me is a favorite receiver of mine I think he's underappreciated and not really given enough credit what he does as a third receiver 89 uh, targets 50 receptions uh, 802 yards as a third receiver, and the yards per reception is 16.0. He's the yeah, yeah, and he's and he still has and he has a six and he has six touchdowns on the season. And then, like you said, Higby, he's coming in right under 85 targets, 61 receptions, 506 d yards with a 9.2 average. I mean, most of these guys are sitting in this offense around a 10 yard average, and he has five touchdowns too. So his long on the year is. 37 yards for a tight end that's pretty long for a tight end you don't see a lot of tight end scoring from you know from that depth uh 30 like 40 yards out right so but yeah it is the cooper cup show it is the cooper cup team this team will ride and die with him last i mean was it last week they had two offensive touchdowns and they were both his so you know 191 targets the next closest guy is 89. So 191 targets with 145 receptions, people, is ridiculous for a season with an average of 13.4 yards per catch. Like that, I mean, 145 receptions with 13.4 yards a catch and 16 touchdowns. Like what? Like what? And he's not even like the most – He's not the most physically imposing guy either. Like you wouldn't think that he'd be like the dominant and red zone threat, but I mean, he is, he's 16 touchdowns. Like you said, like, it's just absurd to watch him work near the goal line, you know, just the option route to the running game. And he's physical. Like he, he does what he needs to do for his teammates. And he's a guy from Eastern Washington university who people just were, you know, on the red field up there. People didn't know who he was again, another great story where his wife worked, you know, so he could concentrate on football and, you know, supported them while they were going through college. And then he, he got out and obviously, uh, what did you say, like a third third day pick? And I think it was a fourth round pick, yeah. Yeah, fourth round pick now having one of the most storied NFL seasons we've ever seen. Yeah, and I'm going to pull up, and I don't want this to be the Cooper Cup show for a second, David, but I saw his stats the other day at Eastern Washington, and it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. So listen to this real quick. Ready? So as a freshman in 2013, he had 93 receptions 
for 1,691 yards and 21 touchdowns, which is 18.2 yards per catch. Uh, the next season, a little lower season, right? 104 catches for 1,431 yards, 16 touchdowns. Then 114 receptions for 1,642 yards and 19 touchdowns. And then his final season, a none too shabby, 117 catches for 1,700 yards and 17 touchdowns. So in four years at Eastern Washington, he had over 400 receptions, over 6,000 yards, and 73 receiving touchdowns. On top of also having, I think, three punt return for touchdowns during his career, too. Just to add on. Well, I'll tell you my Cooper Cup story really quick. I know I don't yep. want us to run over time too well, but or too much. And we got a couple more things yep. to talk about. But yep. I was working for the Edmonton Elks, and I went in there to, you know, the doing West Coast Swing to scout teams. And my buddy, obviously, Shane Waldron, was uh, the pass game coordinator, and he was there. And Cooper Cup wasn't practicing that day. Now, this is three years ago. I think he was a rookie or it might have been his second year, but I think he was a rookie or second year. He wasn't practicing. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know. I just saw this little guy from Eastern Washington. I checked him off my list to go look at and see what he was. He was working on the side because he had a little bit of an injury. His quickness and his body balance was just ridiculous, how he was coming in out of his cuts over with a trainer. So after practice, Shane comes over, starts talking to me, and I start asking about all these other players. I go – Hey, is Cup going to be available? Because I'm putting him on the list. If he is, he's fantastic. And he goes, no. <laughs> he goes, no, that guy is going to be here a while. And I was like, oh, he's injured. And he told me about his injury and stuff. He's always no big deal. We just kind of hold him out, make sure he's ready to go. But it was funny. His face was so precious when I said, is that guy going to be available? He's like, no. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I mean, it, it it's obviously is the big story, right? And he's had a great season. Can they pull it off? And I think offensive line, honestly, David, with the season that Stafford has had 41 touchdowns and Cooper Cup has had nearly 2,000 yards and 16 touchdowns, like you said, offensive line I think is a little underappreciated. I think for the most part, the Rams have played well up front, you know? And, and obviously, the big story is Andrew Whitworth, right? 40 years old, the first man ever to start at age 40 at left tackle, which is just absurd to think about. And one of the most underappreciated players in this era, in my opinion. But you still have Rob Havenstein at right tackle, who's been a really solid football player. Brian Allen's a little bit of an up-and-down guy at center. But, I mean, for the most part, you've had David Andrews, Austin Corbett have been both solid inside. This Rams offensive line, I think, is just a rock-solid group. And, obviously, they have an all-time great at left tackle. Yeah. Now, that's, you know, honestly, I personally will say this. Four years ago or so when I was at the Carolina Panthers, I, I I was looking at tackles just kind of during training camp, seeing what's going on. I'm like, I can't believe Whitworth is still playing. When he was like 36. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, what the? Man. Like, I just couldn't believe he was still playing. And played his and best ball, play- honestly. <laughs> like, played his best ball in his career. <laughs> yeah. But then also, if you look at his body, it just looks like an old man body, right? Like, he's not in the weight room. He ain't grinding anymore. <laughs> Like a, but and again, he's got his injuries, and they know how to they know how to manage his injuries and stuff. And he's showing up, he's playing. I'm super excited for him as well. I mean, everybody knows I'm a big Stafford, but this guy Whitworth was at the Cincinnati Bengals for so many years, so many bad seasons, seen it all. Now he's going to be able to play against them, and I bet he's a little torn hearted because he wants to win the game for himself and have a championship ring. But that man, the way he loves Cincinnati and the way he played there. He would love to win the ring with the Bengals symbol on it. Don't get it wrong. He would. He loves that city. He loves those people there. That's family to him. But, again, what 
what LA has done for him and rebirthed his career and how he got there and everything has just been amazing. And, you know, I, I, I'm rooting again. I'm rooting for the Rams because of Stafford. But Whitworth is a great story, like you said. 40 years old to be playing. I'm 46 years old, so I'm six years older than him. I could yeah. not imagine six years ago when I had shoulder surgery that I would be, like, lined up to play another football game. Like, there is no way. And this guy is doing it. Like, he is – I mean, it's just amazing to watch him play. Like you said, the offensive line's done a good job. Yeah. They've done well up front. They've actually done pretty well, not only in pass protection, but in running the football. You know, this is a team that ran the ball fairly well. So, you know, I think they had over 1,600 yards rushing this year. They had uh, 420 rushing attempts. You know, the average yard per gain or per carry is uh, four yards per carry. So, you know, it's not the stellar. You would like that to be a closer to four or five, you know, where you can run the ball twice and pretty much have first down. But at the same time, four yards per carry with this offensive line and the production they're having at receiver and everything they do is is pretty good. Now, I will say this. I, I like Sony Michelle, I think, better than a lot of people do. And, you know, when, when Henderson went out, this team started missing some of that run – run to some the Michelle and Henderson really was a good two some, you know, Sony Michelle has 208 carries four touchdowns for 845 yards or something. And, you know, he only started seven games. He was a secondary back to Henderson all year who started, you know, tw- uh, 10 games and t- played in 12 and, you know, he had 688. So it's not like they put a lot of pressure, but between those two, they had nine touchdowns rushing. So, that was enough to propel this team to have a run threat. And I'll say this, in the playoffs, by not giving Sony more touches, I think the, the offense has been a little less lethal. You know, they focus a little too, too much on Acre. He came back. He's quick. He looks he looks good. But I think in the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl, running the ball, Sony should have at least 12 touches running the ball, That's in my awesome. opinion. No, no, that's fair. I, I think that the, the carries honestly should be split right down the middle, honestly. Like give give each guy 10 to 15, and I think we're we're solid there, right? Like that's I think that's a formula for success. And I'm mean, just add to Whitworth real quick before we get into our game picks, David. It's not gonna be the highlighted thing, right? But it would it but like it was like with Peyton Manning, right? Walking off into the sunset with his with his ring, with Jerome Bettis walking off to the sunset with his Super Bowl victory. But if for Andrew Whitworth to potentially leave the game at 40 years old at left tackle and to ride off into the sunset with the Super Bowl, that would be a phenomenal story and one that I want to see, not only for my fandom, but just because, again, he's a guy, like you said, like the Stafford layer. This is not going to be Stafford's last game as a you know NFL football player, right? But this could very well be Andrew Whitworth, who has been through a lot in his career, a lot of losing seasons. So I'm excited to see, hopefully – you know, let's see if he can ride off to the sunset. So we're not going to get to any of the coaching news for today. We're right, we're almost at an hour right now. So let's get into our game picks real quick, and then we'll get out of here, David. So L.A. Rams, Cincinnati Bengals at the Los Angeles Rams Stadium, which is the second time this has happened in history, and it's been the second straight year, which is pretty absurd, that the home team is playing in the, in the Super Bowl in their own stadium. So um, – Initial reaction, obviously the Rams are favored by four and a half points. I think the line started at four, if I remember correctly. So it's gone up half a point. Just your general thoughts about how this one could play out, and then give me your pick for this game. 
I'm going to say, you know, I can't count the the Bengals out at all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rooting for the Rams, but I can't count the Bengals out at all. Because I really think the triplets, that receiver, and if the tight end can come back and give them some snaps, the passing game will will open up the running lanes for Mixon. I think their offense really, really gums well matched up here with this with this possibility. Even though the offensive line's a struggle, question mark, I should say. I think they, they still match up really well with the skill positions. So I just can't go against the Rams. I know that the, the line right now is four and a half. I think the Rams win by a touchdown and i'm gonna say like 35 to 28 i think it's gonna be close it's gonna be 35 to 28 but don't sleep on evan mcpherson causing that that whole thing to be messed up and making it a 31 to 35 game or, or 31 to 34 game right there because or i'm sorry 31 to 35 game because mcpherson's been pretty damn impressive in the playoffs when that offense does stall, they let him get out there and kick it. And so, for me, McPherson could be a guy that this this it's on his foot to end the game with him uh, making a field goal. So, don't sleep on him. If it's a 35-35 game and they trot him out there to to hit a 50-yarder, it could it could sail really in because that rookie kicker is looking really good this year. But nah. if you ask me to put a gun to my head right now, I'm going to say Rams by 7, 35-28, and – Stafford and Whitworth get their rings. Okay. I'm going to slightly lower scoring game. Not much, but I'm going to go 27 Rams, 22 Bengals. A little bit of a weird one there. There's going to be some weird stuff happening at the end. Okay. So 27, 22, which means that the Rams cover, just cover that four and a half, right? Right at five points. Rams take the victory. It's a hard-fought match. I don't think that it's – it's definitely not a one-sided affair, although I hope it is for my fandom. But I do think, you know, bias aside, the Cincinnati Bengals are a good football team. They have their flaws. The Rams have their flaws. But I do think that we're going to see some fireworks at some points with Joe Burrow, with Matt Stafford. I'm just hoping for a really good football game. And, you know, I'm hoping the Rams take it, take it right? So, like, let's be honest here. So, all right. So, that's our Super Bowl preview, David. Wanted real quick before I let David Turner get the final word, as I do every single week. We want to thank everybody out there. If you are listening live, we appreciate you for following along with us for the last hour. If you are listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, if you could please go like, subscribe, share, give us a review. We would really appreciate it. The word of mouth is always the most positive thing that we can do. The interaction that we have on a week-to-week basis is fantastic. So if you can do that for us, five-star review on Apple Podcasts especially. That's where we get like the you know the best um, kind of representation of the product that we're putting out. So we really appreciate you all so much. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. For David Turner, last word of the night, sir. Be safe. Be, be around friends and family. And uh, if you're going to drink, drink safe and have a uber or a designated driver this weekend because you know the day after super bowl is valentine's day so we don't want to ruin it for everybody by having stupid drunk accidents out there so for me i would say to everybody make sure you have fun this weekend be safe i'm going to be sharing some some photos on social media of our barbecue that we're having out here because i'm firing up the smoker and we're going to put a bunch of ribs and pork butts and stuff in there so i'll be sharing that take take a look at that and watch for the spread um, and then share back your 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 eats on Super Bowl Sunday. Share back on what you guys are going to be enjoying on Super Bowl Sunday, so we can all share that together. Because that's one of the not only their commercials good, but you know the food, the eats on Super Bowl Sunday. We're all going out big time with it, and I, I'm definitely firing up the smoker. It's going to be packed full this weekend. 
All right. Well, everyone enjoy. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. We'll be back same time, same place. Appreciate you all. Mav Sports Take, episode 75. We are out. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.